The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. From the Bloomberg Interactive Worker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, April 12th. Coming up today. Wall Street braces for the latest reading on inflation. Division in the Fed over the future of interest rates. The Pentagon promises to turn over every rock to plug up an intelligence league. And we take you to Northern Ireland for President Biden's speech on the Good Friday Accord. Manhattan DA Bragg sues Congressman Jim Jordan concerning the Trump indictment. Plus, New York's mayor says the crime-fighting Digidog is out of the pound. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. A Yankee round in Cleveland. The Mets lost to the Padres. A win for the Devils. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We might not see much movement in the futures till we get the highly anticipated report on inflation. Consumer Price Index due out at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time, and we get a preview now from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. The Fed is all about inflation these days, which puts a lot of focus on the consumer price index. The problem for markets is it's not likely to provide the kind of definitive rate clues investors want. Headline CPI is forecast to be cut in half, which will mean a big drop in the year-over-year rate. But core, which gets more attention from the central bank, isn't likely to budge and may actually rise year-over-year. Since the Fed doesn't meet again until May 3rd, officials will have to look at all sorts of other data to divine where inflation will be then. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Mike, thanks. Well, as we await the CPI report, there is division among Fed officials on the future path of interest rates. And we get the story live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John, good morning. And Karen, not everybody at the Fed seems to be on the same page. Take the new Chicago Fed president, Austin Goolsby. He sounds more dovish after the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and the turmoil that unleashed. I think that at moments of financial stress like this, the right monetary policy is really caution and watchfulness and prudence. Goolsby, speaking at the Economic Club of Chicago, is the first Fed official to suggest policymakers may need to hold off on further hikes. And then there's New York Fed President John Williams. He says Fed officials still have more work to do to bring down prices, and one more hike is a reasonable starting place. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thank you, John. It's not just the Fed. Janet Yellen is weighing in on the economy. The Treasury Secretary is shrugging off recent banking turmoil to declare the economy better off than six months ago. I said that the global economy was in a better place than many predicted last fall. That basic picture has remained largely unchanged. Prices of commodities like food and energy have stabilized. Supply chain pressures continue to ease, 
and global growth projections remain higher than they were in the fall. Secretary Yellen's comments contrast with the International Monetary Fund's revised economic outlook. The IMF has trimmed global growth projections to 2.8 percent this year and 3 percent in 2024. Well, Nathan, the biggest U.S. banks are planning to bolster reserves in a move tied to their unusual effort to shore up First Republic Bank last month. Bloomberg News has learned some of the banks that contributed the largest chunk of the $30 billion in deposits are planning to set aside about $100 million each. Sources say the group includes J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, Citigroup and Bank of America, which each put up $5 billion. And we now turn, uh, Karen, to the latest on the leak of those classified Pentagon documents. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is now promising to get to the bottom of it. And Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. Secretary Austin says they will not ignore this. We take this very seriously. He says they are following multiples of directions. We will continue to investigate and, and turn over every rock until we find the source of this and the extent of it. And wants to assure Americans... Nothing will ever stop us from keeping America secure. The Pentagon and Department of Justice are involved. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. Well, the documents leak could cast a shadow on President Biden's trip overseas. He's in Belfast, Northern Ireland, where he'll mark the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. The president will meet later this morning with U.K. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. We get more from Bloomberg News Dublin Bureau Chief Morwenna Conium. We're expecting a few things to come up. Of course, we've recently had learned about the leak of the documents from the Pentagon, which is almost certainly going to come up as the UK is one of the US's closest allies. Um, You know, they do share intelligence. So that will obviously be on the agenda. But the purpose of the visit is really to celebrate the achievements of the Good Friday Agreement, which was signed 25 years ago um, and largely brought peace to Northern Ireland after 30 years of sectarian violence. And Bloomberg's Marwenna Conium says President Biden and Prime Minister Sunak plan to discuss support for Ukraine today, but the White House says they're not likely to talk about a free trade pact for now. Turning to corporate news, Karen, Twitter no longer exists as an independent company. Let's get the details live from Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport. Steve? Good morning, Nathan and Karen. You could say X musks the spot, as Twitter is now part of the newly formed shell firm X Corp. It's the latest change in a sweeping overhaul since Musk acquired the platform. The billionaire CEO launched his takeover bid a year ago this week and reflected on the journey in a Twitter space broadcast with the BBC. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, so you know, uh, a bunch of decisions that can be made better, for sure. Um, but um, as I said, all's well, it ends well. Um, I think it's going pretty well. Musk also predicted better days ahead for revenue, saying most advertisers that abandoned the platform under his ownership have returned. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thanks. Well, in other corporate news, Bloomberg News has learned that Emerson Electric is in advanced talks to acquire national instruments. Emerson has offered $60 a share for the maker of measurement systems and shares of national instruments are up 4% in early trading. And this is Bloomberg. It's 65 degrees in New York. It'll be partly sunny and breezy today with highs in the upper 70s. Clearing skies tonight, lows in the 60s. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg filed a lawsuit against Representative Jim Jordan to hold a House Judiciary Committee inquiry. Bragg says it is a campaign to intimidate and attack him over his indictment of former President Trump. Loyola Law Professor Lori Levinson. It's very clear 
that what Jim Jordan, who's an ally of Trump, is trying to do is to interrupt, interfere, and intimidate the Bragg prosecution of Donald Trump. That's not really a function of Congress. Meanwhile, Donald Trump asked for a four-week delay in the start of a civil trial over rape accusations from author Jean Carroll in the mid-1990s. Trump citing a deluge of publicity from the recent unrelated criminal case brought against him by the Manhattan DA. New Jersey crews are battling a massive 500-acre forest fire in Ocean County. Officials in Manchester Township say a mandatory evacuation order was issued for residents on Division Street in Lakehurst. New York Governor Kathy Hochul is speaking out after a federal judge in Texas reversed the FDA's approval of abortion drug Mifepristone. Hochul says Democratic governors have started stockpiling abortion medications. One judge in Amarillo, Texas, thinks he knows better than thousands of doctors and scientists and experts. And not to mention the countless women who've used this medication safely for decades. The U.S. government filed an appeal challenging the judge's ruling. Police body cam footage of Monday's shooting at a Louisville bank has been released. They say the gunman, a bank employee, walked in the front door, opened fire in a crowded conference room, killing five people and eight others that were wounded before police shot and killed the gunman. New York City is turning over some of its police operations to big tech. Mayor Eric Adams unveiled three new robots that will be used by the department later this year. He says the DigiDog robots are out at a pound and will be used to enter confined spaces and places where potentially dangerous suspects are barricaded. I don't want to have a police officer go in a building where there's someone that's dangerous and lose that police officer. Mayor Adams says the robots will provide a live video feed to the NYPD. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Bard. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Woof. Thank you, Michael. Time for our Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. The Yankees with an easy win at Cleveland. A win this afternoon means they'll have taken two of three in each of their first four series, and they need the good start because their division foe, Tampa Bay, is already 11-0. As for the Yankees, they put up 11 on the Guardians, including another blast from a new Yank. Franchi Cordero. And he swings and hits a high fly to right. Back goes Gonzalez on the track, on the wall. She's gone. It is a three-run home run for Franchi Cordero. Oh, you can bet the ranchy on Franchi. And WFAN, John Sterling, he's got one of those for everyone. Cordero released by two AL East teams, the Red Sox and Orioles, and already his third home run and 21 at-bats for the Yanks, who won 11-2. to Garrett Cole now 3-0. At City Field, Manny Machado, two-run doubles. Andrew Bogart's two-run homer. And the Padres beat the Mets 4-2. Mets also a day game today. As for the Rays, they have played four teams. Three that finished in last place last season. Other that finished a game out of last place, but still 11-0. All the wins but one have been by more than three runs. They beat the Red Sox 7-2. In Baltimore's win, the Orioles' Ryan Mountcastle drove in nine runs. Devils, a 6-2 win over Buffalo. Carolina also won. The Hurricanes lead the Devils by 1.1 game to go. The Bruins set another record already with the most wins ever and now also the most points. NBA play-in, Atlanta won at Miami. The Lakers beat Minnesota in overtime. The winners advance. The losers will now play the teams that win tonight. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha 
for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager, and this is the first full day for President Biden on his three-day trip to Ireland, kicking it off this morning in Belfast, where he will meet with U.K. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and give a speech marking 25 years since the signing of the Good Friday Peace Accord. For the latest, we are joined live once again by Bloomberg News Dublin Bureau Chief Marwena Konia. Marwena, good morning. Thanks again for being with us. We've already seen some headlines from the White House about uh, what the president and the prime minister are expecting to talk about before that speech in Belfast later today. What are we hearing from the White House? Yes, yeah, so there's uh, been a briefing this morning um, on the topics of what they're going to talk about. We know that he's going to be meeting with some of the Northern Irish Party leaders as well. That's something that's going to be coming up in his, his meeting with Sunak. Um, there, you know, a real sense of wanting to resolve the political impasse there. Um, I think also there will be discussion about other issues of shared economic interest, including trade. That's something where uh, the UK are quite keen to get um, agreement on the table with the US. Um, they have been discussing or saying that they might be discussing the leaked documents from the Pentagon as well, obviously a close ally. So that is something that they do have a shared interest in discussing. Yeah, to say the very least, do we have any sense at this point about how much that leak of sensitive Pentagon intelligence could have over the president uh, as he makes his way through Ireland over the next few days? Um, well, it will be something that is definitely coming up again when he meets with the Irish Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar, tomorrow. Um, Ireland also, you know, is an ally. Um, they'll be discussing things to do with the war in Ukraine as well there. Um, in terms of, obviously, the sensitive information, there's, there's not very much um, information available. But, um, you know, there has been, obviously, a lot of concern recently. We've had, you know, increasing Russian cyber attacks that are, you know, targeting companies supporting the U.S. defense industry as well. So um, it will definitely be a high topic of discussion. Before the president left Washington, we heard him tell reporters that his uh, goal uh, on this trip to Ireland is to keep the peace. Interesting way to phrase it. How do things stand 25 years after the signing of the Good Friday Accords? Where is the relationship between Catholics and Protestants after all this time? Well, I think it's First of all, important not to understate the amount of progress that has been made. Um, before the 1998 agreement, we had seen 30 years of very bloody sectarian violence. Um, that has largely come to a halt. Of course, there have been pockets. Um, there was a bit of um, disruption over the weekend where we saw some um, parades and some petrol bombs being thrown at police. But these things are really quite minor in comparison to what did come before the agreement. That said, a lot of the things that were promised at the time of the Good Friday Agreement 
um, and established, such as the power-sharing government at Stormont, which does um, enable both nationalists and unionists to share power that that hasn't been functioning for over a year now, and it actually hasn't functioned for about 40% of the time that it's been established. It first started in 1999. Um, and so it isn't the best legacy uh, to have. It obviously could have worked a lot better, and that is largely because of a sort of political stalemate, and it could be triggered by either side at the moment. It's the unionists, but it's not so much about relations between the Protestant and Catholic or unionist and nationalist communities, it's actually a, a political point um, about the trading relationships in Northern Ireland that have been imposed and well, suggested by the Brexit agreement. And that, that does play into unionist concerns that by um, the UK leaving the EU and Northern Ireland being treated separately that Northern Ireland becomes somehow, you know, less British or their goods are treated differently to the rest of the UK. And that that has really been the point of contention, which has uh, driven this most recent uh, stalemate and period of dysfunction in the institutions there. Just about 30 seconds left here, Moana. What's the main thing you're going to be listening for as the president gives his remarks today? Well, we will be listening for any comments on after he's met with the Northern Irish leaders and also with Rishi Sunak in terms of any economic developments. Um, investment into Northern Ireland is something that people are very keen to hear about um, on all sides. Um, and so we will be looking for that. Obviously, it's Biden. So we will, of course, also be you know hoping that he doesn't accidentally uh, say something slightly you know inappropriate mm. just because it's a very complex situation and he'll be you know speaking on a but um, I think really overall we're looking for signs of progress and support and it is meant to be a celebration of peace and I think that that's something that will be coming across. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. 
More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.